Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. This episode may include discussions of ableism, transphobia, and homophobia. So hi, everyone. I'm Gender Meowster. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm going to let my wonderful guests introduce themselves today. I'm Mouse. I also use they, them pronouns. I am non-binary, asexual, and panromantic, as well as a little bit neurospicy and a lot disabled. Welcome to the show. Mouse, it's such a pleasure to have you here to be here yeah so exciting i met you because you applied to join the gender federation stream team i did indeed and i knew this is where it would lead us it's so exciting i was so thrilled to see your application come through so for those who don't know yet because we have not posted our staff bios yet mouse and i are the co like stream team leads for the streamers so we'll each have a little cohort of streamers that we're parading corralling cat herding i don't know help and i'm so excited we we haven't even drafted the streamer applications because we've been so busy with founder applications yeah i'm very excited for it i also feel like cat herding is probably the most accurate description for it (laughs) it's it's gonna be fun it's gonna be yeah i'm so excited also having another discord server that's very busy on top of the master's clatter is going to be a time so i'm really grateful for all the moderators hey mods thanks for moderating because i'm pretty sure i'm about negative three days away from being able to mod the server anymore like i've noticed the last half a week maybe i just have not been keeping up with posts in the server almost at all yeah but that's why it's a team right it's not just a streamer it's a whole it's a whole team a whole cohort of folks pitching in and working together gosh so yes i'm very excited about the gender federation and what we're up to and so mouse you you were the only person who'd had any like stream team experience who applied in that very first founder app round. And it was very exciting that someone with experience was interested in hanging out with us. So I guess maybe before we jump into the trans question, is there anything you'd like to share about what you enjoyed about being on a stream team in the past? Yeah, so I've been streaming since 2018. I started streaming when my health got bad and I was like, I need to socialize, but I live in a country where I don't really know anyone. I'm no longer going to the university here mm-hmm. and I don't want to leave my house because it hurt. So I started hanging out on streams on Twitch and then I started streaming on Twitch and I have made the best of friends with it. I found like my my like soulmate best friend through Twitch is one of my mods cause they live over in Australia we have never met in real life but they are like they are me just Australian version of me I owe that to Twitch I've been in a few different stream stream teams along the way some of them they're the ones that you get sucked into at the start and then you find out that they're kind of just a pyramid scheme and purely to boost whoever's at the top but i've been in some 
really great ones that have been based around marginalized identities, queer stream teams and disabled and chronically ill stream teams specifically. And those ones I've always found to be much better because they are my people. And I think it's a lot easier when everyone in the team has like something that connects them because otherwise this team just keeps growing and you don't really get to know anyone as well. You don't have like common ground with everyone. And you, you gave us some really good advice of like, you don't want to scale too fast in the beginning. Like you got to add a couple people and get that crowd to gel together and then add a couple more and then get that crew to gel together. And I am so grateful for your experience <laughs> and advice. <laughs> Yeah, I've been in some stream teams where it's, it's almost been a basis of like everyone that applies gets in, but then you have 20 to 30 new people coming in every time applications open. And just as you're starting to get through getting to know everyone that's joined, you get another 20 to 30 come in and it's you can't keep up with it. So I'm very much big fan of grow slow but steady. I like that. We've also like collectively been working really hard at doing like documenting our processes and planning all the things before we have a bunch of people so then we don't have a bunch of people like all right give me a job what am i gonna do and it's like ah we don't know yeah no it's good to know when people join in this is what you're here to do like we already have it set out nobody's joining and then twiddling their thumbs waiting for us to figure out who's going to do what yeah well you know, that's why that's why we've been especially with this round of applications sure to focus on telling folks like we need you to be adaptable this is very new this is not super established and streamlined yet like we're still figuring it all out but it's kind of exciting to be involved with something from like day one for me yeah i'm very excited it is for me as well it's most of the teams that i've joined i've kind of come in much later rather than right when they first started so being in one from the very start and getting to like watch it grow is very exciting and also I'm really excited just to see like how many people we get to help with it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the other part that I don't know if I've said out loud yet this stream. The point of Gender Federation, the goal at least, is to work together to raise money for gender diverse people who are seeking gender confirmation surgery. And it like takes money from whoever gives the money and then puts it directly in those people's pockets. There's no there's no middle person, there's no in between. We have it for a while and then we give it to them. None of that. Like the way we're going to set it up is that people just get those funds directly and they get to use them the ways that make the most sense to them because with surgeries like sure insurance might pay some percentage of it, but you still have your out-of-pocket copay, you have like transportation to get there to get to surgery and back you've got person taking care of you while you're recovering for one to two weeks depending on what surgery it is you've possibly got like hotel fees if you're staying somewhere far away from where you live because there's not a ton of gender confirmation surgery surgeons in the world and then you've got to eat while you're there and all kinds of other stuff right if you need a couple medical supplies or whatever so plus time away from work so there's just a lot of sort of collateral expenses that are not covered by insurance that especially for transgender diverse people who are multiply marginalized, who it's hard to get a job when you're trans, it's hard to find housing and have secure housing when you're trans. There's all of these other issues and complicating factors that gender diverse people face when they're trying to just get these surgeries that make their lives better. And so our goal as a team is to make that process a little bit easier by by giving money to those who need it the most and not gatekeeping and controlling what they do with it. Yeah, I'm so excited. I don't think I've seen anyone doing exactly the thing that we're doing. Like I've seen people who give grants for money 
and I've seen trans stream teams, but I haven't seen someone who puts both of those together. So I'm like, so pumped. It's very exciting. Yeah. Anyways, so enough about that, probably. Let's talk more about you. I'm a very interesting. You are. Well, okay. So before we get into the like gender history questions, is there any cute thing in your background you'd like to tell us about as an icebreaker? You have a lot going on behind you. And if someone's listening to the podcast later, they'll have no idea what's back there. I have many. So first of all, this toothless here. Such a um, that, that I actually got from my partner, Troy, the very first time that he came to visit me in Scotland. And the little mouse that it's holding was the first mouse that my mom got me Aww. after she found out that my screen name is Mouse. So um, the first of many. I now get mouse things every birthday, every Christmas without fail. That's so funny. I love that. And this big stitch down here has my name stitched into its ear. That was a Christmas present. And the other two down here and the little Toro all got when I was in Japan. Amazing. I like the, the rainbow over sleeping stitch. It's yeah, just, no, it's I got supposed that to be Hawaiian, but in my head canon, it's just that much gayer. <laughs> oh yeah, the rainbow is there to be gayer. I love it so hard. That's so awesome. Oh gosh. Okay. Thank you for sharing about some of those things. Let's see. I'm going to jump to the, what are some things that you trace back to your youth that indicated you might be non-binary or gender diverse one day? So I was always as a kid, I was a tomboy. Like I was like classed as a tomboy. I hated like being perceived as like girly, refused to wear skirts and dresses, like refused to do all of that. And as I got older, I was very much, pretty much still, I was very much like an alternative, like emo going on. And I felt like I wanted to look as androgynous as possible. Not so much nowadays, I'm more comfortable in how I present myself because I realized that no one else can categorize my gender but me. But when I was younger, I very much felt like I had to look a certain way and be perceived a certain way if I wanted to be taken seriously in the community which that was that was just me gatekeeping myself which describes much of my life i am my biggest gatekeeper well and that like internalized transphobia or homophobia can be so strong like sometimes our biggest critic is the one that lives between our sternum and our spine just right yeah, in there exactly my next question is how is your relationship with gender evolved over time like how did you go from emo goth youth to who you are today it was pretty much a straight line i haven't really changed that much the only thing that has really changed is my attitude and how much i'm willing to mask which is not at all anymore i used to i used to gatekeep myself and through growing up and a lot of therapy i've come to realize that i am the only person that can categorize me I'm the only person that can decide what gender I identify in and it doesn't come down to anyone else. And I don't want to have to try and present myself a certain way to, to make sure that I'm taken seriously. And I think streaming has been a big part of that for me because it's opened me up to a lot of gaming communities online where I'm finding more people that are part of like I'm part of that community, which has been a big thing because I grew up in the 90s. Like we didn't have representation when I was growing up, not really. So kind of 
joining Twitch and then seeing seeing some big streamer that I identify with and just finding people in the community that are also on Twitch that I gel with and connect with has been a big part of it. That's awesome. What would you say are some of the ways or experiences you've had as a streamer on Twitch who's non-binary? Do you use the non-binary tag? Have you ever experienced hate raids? Have you ever experienced positive things because you're using the non-binary tag? How, like they just added tags like that within the last year. How has that been going? Yes, hate raids, I have had a lot of them. I literally had one on Sunday yesterday in three minutes of starting stream i got follow botted and hate rated which i can deal with it like i have a lot of protections in place on my channel like i use sari bot i use the stop hate bot i have moderation settings set up i have account verification settings set up the whole nine yards but it does happen sometimes but i have found more people that are part of the community through using the tags than people that want to spread hate have joined if that makes sense like mm -hmm. more more good has come from it than bad yeah and i also use seribot i think it's pretty cool and we've been lucky i feel like i'm just summoning them right now just talking about it but yeah seri seribot is cool because there's commands to like mute or clear the whole chat and like it's very reactive and responsive. I love that you use security tools. And I think honestly, it's going to help both of us in training our streamers and how to deal with it too. Once they, we have a little squad on the team that we're all working together and navigating that as a crew. So I'd like to pivot now and talk a little bit more about games, gaming and representation. We have a little pile of questions about queer games and representation. And then we have a pile of questions about working for a queer gaming studio because your day job is actually like working with game devs in a queer studio making video games, which is super cool. Yeah. So in case people in a chat are like, what's, what are we talking about today? Those are some of the big trajectory points we're going to try to hit along the way. So a fun fluffy question is, what are some of your favorite games and what do you love about them? Oh, anyone that has met me before probably knows because I can't go a day without mentioning it, but Horizon Zero Dawn is my favorite game of all time. It's, it's post-apocalyptic which I think you'll find is a big theme in most games I play. I'm a very big survival game fan, but it's also got like such a variety of characters. I was so well written and so I feel like a lot of games that I've played where it's had I'm presenting main character, there's almost always a man or someone else that is going to step in and save her at some point. And Horizon Zero Dawn doesn't have that. It's got, it's, it's very diverse in terms of the cat. It's very diverse in terms of the character. And it does a really great job of, there's like little flirty comments here and there with Aloy, like she'll flirt with everyone, but at no point do you ever romance anyone. It's not a part of it, but also she flirts with everyone. And I very much, like canonically in my head she is pan i love that so much that's so great 
and yeah, other post-apocalyptic games, especially zombie games, The Last of Us and Days Gone are two of my top games of all time. I'm still upset that Days Gone isn't getting a sequel. Like, I'm still holding out hope that it's going to be like Horizon and seven years down the line, we're going to get a sequel because I need it. Again, I really love post-apocalyptic stuff. I... Like, I mainly play survival games, so anything that's like open world, survival, like story driven, anything like that, I jump on. But also, the last game that I want to talk about, because it's a very important game to me, I've been obsessed with it since I first played it. It's an episodic game, three of the four episodes are out so far. It's such an adorable looking it's not adorable i don't know why i used that word it's a horror game but it is scarlet hollow it is a choices matter like visual novel style horror game the artwork in it is absolutely fantastic it has absolutely fantastic representation you can choose your pronouns at the start of the game and there are canonically like queer non-binary characters in the game and you can choose to romance literally any of them like all of them you can romance all of the characters basically it's really well written and also you get to go cryptid hunting so you should play scarlet hollow if you haven't already cryptid hunting cryptid hunting for murder painting them or for catching them or photographing or because locating, one of the one tagging. of the characters that you meet in the game is a cryptid hunter on YouTube. Oh. So you get to go cryptid hunting with her and her friends and oh I love it. What if there was a video game where the whole point was to find and befriend cryptids? I would be playing that faster than you could say its name. I I love cryptids. I love like anything supernatural, cryptid, anything like that. Yeah. I love I want a zombie apocalypse. COVID really let me down. We didn't get zombies. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, if we're going to have an apocalyptic event, a plague that takes out so much of the planet, can we at least get zombies with it? That's my, like, personal nightmare. I love it. Like, I'm so not equipped to live in a zombie apocalypse in real life. Like, I am very disabled. I, I cannot run. My brain is ready for it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I think at some point in our conversation, either getting ready for stream or maybe even when you introduced yourself and your identities, you mentioned being asexual. So for a moment, I thought, oh, video game where you befriend cryptids is totally like monster prom and whatever the sequel to that is monster camp or maybe i got that backwards in one of those other ones yeah. but when a person finds themselves as ace i'm gonna guess maybe you don't enjoy dating games but i could be totally wrong i love them like i i very much enjoy as long as i get to like date pretty girl or like wonderful non-binary people or even like anyone that's not a cishet man. I love. I loved Monster Prom. I haven't played the second one. I also loved. Oh, it wasn't Dream Daddy. It was a different one. Had a full boyfriend. No, I haven't played that one. That's cool that you like gender diverse. Coffee talk. Coffee yeah, talk. Coffee talk. Yeah, I have that one too. Bad. There's so totally good cryptids in that as well i wonder what the crossover is between cryptids and queers it's like why do the lgbtqs just drink up all the cryptid 
stuff. It's so fun. Maybe it's because bodies are just diverse and like shrug. Like <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I literally responded to someone earlier that was talking about like how showing kids queer rap can't make them queer because there's the existence of asexual and aromantic people and they're like they never have accurate representation unless we're cryptids and i was like don't let them know we're cryptids they can't handle it so that's what it, it did it just reminded me of someone someone responded to me with it as well it is like the man that that old contouring video is like if the man can find out we can shapeshift they're going to tell the church that was just like a little adhd tangent but I love it, it so made much. me laugh so we've talked about a lot of really cool games so far um, but my next question is to get us to be more specific what are the best queer games that you've played so far you're allowed to say stuff you've already mentioned so scarlet hollow because i love it a lot and i think everyone should play it if you hadn't already also episode one's free on steam so you can try it for free i'm just a really big scarlet hollow fan person at the moment but also the last of us I so when you have Ellie and her friend, that ends up being more than her friend, and it's when she gets bitten and stuff. And also Clementine from The Walking Dead game, because you get to romance a girl in that as Clementine, and I love it. And the Life is Strange game, because again, I just get to have queer romance and I love it. There is an option for me to have a queer romance in a game. That's what I'm taking. That's the option I'm taking. Yeah, I love all of those. I like that you have it in all of the Life is Strange games as well. Because obviously you have like Chloe and Rachel and then Max and Chloe. You don't have to go with the the queer route. You can choose the pet route if you want, but you shouldn't. It's not as good. And then obviously you have you get to choose between Finn and I can't remember the girl's name at the camp in Life is Strange 2. Which I like that I like they included that as well because that's the only one where you're playing as a male protagonist. And obviously my lovely Alex and Steph loved Steph since we first saw her in the Life is Strange game. So I loved getting to romance. So great. Our favorite games are so different from each other. Really? Which I also think is really cool. So I'm more of a comfy cozy streamer and less of a like horror survival streamer. I'm totally terrible at survival games like i get tilted so easily and then i just like freak out and die funny <laughs> because i find that funny because survival games are like my comfy game yeah. but things like stardew stress me out so really? much so there's my... not enough time to do everything no i totally i hear that i totally hear that and for me it's like i love like stardew valley is actually one of my favorites so like pokemon games stardew valley I was thinking about this the other day. What are my kind of favorite categories of games? Zelda games, I typically... Breath of the Wild is like S-tier quality game. I've never yeah. finished a Zelda game. I have your favorite game of all time, Horizon Zero Dawn, and I've never finished it. I've maybe played two hours. So maybe oh, we me. need to have a stream where we're like side by side. I'm playing Zero Dawn, you're playing Breath of the Wild, and we like do our best <laughs> and talk to each other about the struggles <laughs> while we play. That would be really fun. Okay. That would be really fun. I'm just trying to get this headset thing figured out. I don't know what the button is. And you'll be like, <laughs> I don't know what to do in this dungeon. And I'll just like info dump at you about Breath of the Wild. And you can info dump at me about Horizon Zero Dawn. And somehow we'll find our way. <laughs> See, I played Breath of the Wild. I never finished it. I got bored. Oh my gosh. 
I've hundred percent of that game more than once. I love it so much, but it's super sandboxy, which maybe is part of the struggle because it's like you can go all kinds of places and do all kinds of things. Yeah, it's so fun. You know, diverse spice of life, and I don't, I don't want to do the zombie games, so I'm glad someone else does because, you know, all the zombies want all of the things, not just Stardew. So I think it's great. I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. What game characters do you find remarkable or inspiring? So many. I obviously, Eloy is my love. I both love her and want to be her. Ellie and Dina, because from Last of Us Part Two, there's so much in that game that I did not like as much. Like, they, I know why they did it, and I like that they did it, but also. So many parts of that game had me like shouting, don't do this. Mainly when Ellie's like, I'm just going to go off again and leave Dina and our son here. And I'm just going to go for revenge. And I'm like, don't do that, baby. Don't do that. You had a good life. But I love Ellie and Dina. Clementine, because I don't know how anyone couldn't love Clementine. Like just... From, from game one of The Walking Dead, I was like, this is my new favorite child. And then obviously she grows up. She's still a child at the end. And I'm just, if Clementine can do it, I can do it. And Alex and Steph, both from Life is Strange True Colors. I played that game like four times when it came out. Like I 100% of that game, I played it four times. I was like, I want to have all of the options. Even if it doesn't change anything, I still want to just do all of the options. And they were just such like such fantastic characters. Alex obviously has had a hard life and she has this power where she feels what other people are feeling. I'm an empath, I can relate. Other people are exhausting, but it's just, I really love seeing how she goes through it and yeah, it's just very well done. I hear you. It's like other people are exhausting because you care so much. Yeah. <laughs> that's relatable. Sometimes I'm like, I wish I could not care at all, but that's not going to happen. So I will just nap instead. Naps are good. So what game characters do you know that are queer, neurodiverse, or disabled? And are they well executed in your opinion? Oh, so many. Okay, I'm going to talk about, again, my favorite game for just a minute. But there is a Karja character in Horizon Zero Dawn, and their name is Geneva. And it's unknown whether they are a trans man, binary, or just gender non-conforming, because there's never at any point any pronouns assigned to them. But they are very mask-presenting, but at the same time, they're part of the Karja tribe, and the Karja tribe's naming convention, they have vowels at the end of female names and consonants at the end of male name. Obviously, at some point, that means that Geneva has been seen as female, but she's, they're, like, they're just very sort of gender non-conforming overall. The game just doesn't assign pronouns to them. And I love that because it's like, I get to decide for myself. Have you gotten and, down like fan rabbit trails on the internet? Like yes. Reddit, subreddit stuff? All of, all of the rabbit holes have been dug. I've gone down all of them. And I've just decided that at the very least, Geneva is gender non-conforming because I said so. I love it so much. And then there is a 
game from Obsidian called The Outer Worlds, not to be confused with The Outer Wilds, which they both came out around the same time and it was very confusing. But The Outer Worlds is, I think it's kind of Mass Effect style game. So like you, you go around and you get all of your, you get all of your like crew members from different places and stuff and then you do quests for them. But there is the first crew member that you can pick up and her name is Parvati. And she's also voiced by the voice actress for Aloy. That's cool. important because it's that probably your attention right away. Yeah, it's probably one of the reasons I was like so attached to her before I knew because she sounded familiar. But Parvati was my first experience of asexual representation in gaming. They never made like a big deal about it. It was never like a main part of her storyline. It just comes up because she's talking about like another character that we come across and she doesn't know if the other character will like her back. And then she also talks about how she she doesn't she doesn't get as intimate as some people expect because she's asexual basically. And that that was my first experience. And I was just like like I wanted to cry a little bit. I might have cried a little bit, actually. I might have cried a little bit. But that was my first experience of asexual representation in gaming. And it was just really well done. It wasn't like, there wasn't a massive deal made about it. It was just talked about. It was just a normal everyday subject, which it is. And yeah, I just, I loved the way they did it. It was, I think it, it probably made me cry similar amount as the sex education episode where Florence, is it Florence? I think it's Florence, is talking about how like she thinks she's broken and Gillian Anderson, who's basically just playing herself, is just like, sex doesn't make you whole, so how could you be broken? Like, part of sexuality, one's different, it's completely normal kind of thing, and it was just, all of that was just very heartwarming. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah, I do. I have a comment from the chat. Sonia wants to send encouragement that you, Mouse, are safe and loved and blessed. That the, oh, the viewers you. in the community experiencing this conversation are like flocking you, supporting you, rooting for you, etc. No. Thank no. you. <laughs> so sweet. Okay, so my next question is what are some of your favorite Ooh, gender sorry, moments? Sorry, I had two more representations. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yes, you go ahead. I got sidetracked from. So these are smaller ones. These are for disabled characters okay. because I really loved how it was done. So there's, again, in Mass Effect, there is Joker, who's like the pilot. And he has, I can't remember the proper name for it, but it's basically his brittle bone disease. So he can't walk without crutches and stuff. And I just thought he was really well done. And also, if anyone's played the Metro series, which I obviously have because it's a post-apocalyptic survival game but there is a character in it called colonel miller and he is able-bodied for the first two games and then at the end of the second game things go boom and his lower legs get like blown off um so then he comes into the third game and he's had like prosthetic legs made and stuff and he just goes straight back to doing what he was doing before like it's a few years down the line, but he can he just gets the accessibility that he needs to continue doing his job, which sent it sent me off on a rant about how post-apocalyptic communities can give disabled people accessibility options, but first world countries can't. 
which was another big rant that I went on a lot during COVID. And lastly, pretty much all of the characters in Life is Strange I thought were very well executed. The main exception is Nathan in the first game and Before the Storm because it's we find out during the game that he is battling with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder but rather than using that plot point in the story to get the audience to sympathize with him while he's going through this like literal psychotic break it's used to demonize him for which pretty much all of their representation was on point apart from that i i love all of these games that you're talking about that i have never played <laughs> They're so good. It's part of why I like interviewing multiple people, sometimes about the same topic, because no one's a monolith of their identity. No one's, there's no one person who's got the market on non-binary or person who loves horror games. And so it's fun to have a lot of different perspectives because you, I don't know, it just gives a fuller picture when you interview more than one person about the same topics. It's Yeah, it's... I love finding out like everyone's sort of different answers to the same question. Yeah. Um, are you ready for the next question? Yes. Now I am. <laughs> yeah. And totally. Thanks for letting me know you weren't done with the last one. So that was great. I'm glad you finished answering that question. Thank you. What are some of your favorite gender moments in games that are not of a queer specific theme? So. One of them, I'm going to go back to Neva from Horizon Zero Dawn because I really do just love that they didn't feel the need to clarify, but they never gender them at any point. And it's just a little trans Easter egg kind of thing, which I really love. Both good and bad was finding out in The Last of Us Part 2 that Lev was trans. It was good because I liked having the representation there and the fact that you know he was just perceived as his gender from the start when we met him but i did not like when they dead named him in one of the later scenes that was very upsetting but i i did like Lev. he's a very well-written character i think i feel like i haven't played that many games that aren't seen as queer themed i feel like i play a lot of queer games so i feel like Horizon and Days Gone are probably the only two that don't have uh, queer specific themes at some point or other. So my last question in this sort of just gaming category is, have you ever created like a player character? So like in Stardew Valley, you get to pick your background and your orientation, etc. And if so, what player characters have you created that you're fond of? So I have a few. I have my main character in Final Fantasy XIV, who is a Mikote Summer. So it's little cat part. And I love them because they're just very androgynous. And it's like, don't if you look at them, you can't just immediately tell their gender. But also they're adorable and they have like little cat ears, which makes them even more adorable. I also have my guardian from guild wars 2 which was the first online game i ever played i spent way too many hours in that game but they're like a little human and they have this whole backstory with how their parents were killed by centaurs and i just really enjoy them which i forgot to mention a character for disabled representation if i could do that real quick yeah 
Go ahead. Let's start. Uh, so in Guild Wars 2, there's a little Lyra called Time, and she is disabled. She's physically disabled, and she basically just built herself a golem to help her get around because she's like wicked smart, crazy genius, like super, like off the charts smart, and is also like a child. But I really, I really like that she just kind of built her own accessibility and just went ahead and did that. That's so awesome. Building your own accessibility aids. I feel like in in the disabled community, like the most powerful thing a disabled person can do is self-advocate. Like some of the fiercest people I've met have been disabled, to be honest. Because like we've had to fight and advocate for ourselves. Does it when you have to fight and advocate for yourself, especially if you're not of like the standard mark most of the disability research, which is generally on cishet white men and boys. Mm-hmm. But if you're not white and you're not male and you're not cisgender, you're not like neurotypical, then it's even harder because they're only just finding out that it turns out that not everything appears the same way as it does in men who would have thought and we grew up like i went to school in the 90s and in the 90s it was all like girls don't get adhd that is a surprise to almost no one i got diagnosed with adhd in january of this year after fighting for a diagnosis that my doctor didn't want to send me for. I've mentioned I'm very disabled. I have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I have fibromyalgia. I have a nerve pain disorder, which I only found out about two years ago after I finally found a neurologist that took me seriously and was like, we'll get a skin biopsy to make sure there's nothing funky going on there because you shouldn't be in this much pain. And lo and behold, I have a nerve condition, which prior to this was being blamed on the fact that I have anxiety and depression. So it's like when you have to fight constantly to get the people that are supposed to help you to listen to you, you definitely get, you get a bit of fire, a bit of fire in you. Totally. Oh, this is such a fun conversation. I'm having such a good time. So our next category of questions is what it's like being in a game studio that's like has a lot of non-binary and queer representation or participation at all the different levels. But just to start out, how does one get into the gaming industry or like, how did you get into it? Like, how does someone go from like video games to doing that as their day job? Because a lot of people I think would like to know the answer to that question. So I fell into it. What I mean by that is he got a bachelor's degree in forensic science because I, one of my special interests is true crime. And then I went on to do my PhD in chemistry. And then I got more disabled than I already was. And I also got a lot of gifted kid burnout and I hated science. I don't hate science, but I didn't want to do it anymore, which that happened around the time that I started streaming. I mentioned before, like the first game that I got into that was online gaming was Guild Wars 2. I was a community manager for the largest European player-led community at the time, which was called G Community. It shut down in 2018, I believe, not long after I started streaming, but at the time the running we had 20,000 members at RP and I started streaming and then I was like I'd really like to get into the video games industry and at first I was like do I want to up my art skills because I was doing a lot of freelance art at the time and I got hyper fixated on art and then I got good at art but then I was like I don't want to make art my job 
like not my full job because the more commissions I was doing, the real I was realizing like the more commissions I was doing, the less time I had for art as a hobby. So I didn't get to draw what I wanted to draw anymore. So I was like, what can I do that I can, first of all, that I can work from home doing because traveling is difficult for me. And I know I need to focus my energy. And if I'm putting a lot of energy into traveling for work, then it's going to fall off either in my productivity at work or in my self-care, probably in my self-care because right. I'm a people pleaser, as I'm sure many of my late diagnosed ADHD folk turned into from yeah. trying to be normal as children. So, so I I started applying for internship, video game, like marketing, influencer roles. So I applied at places like Disobey, Future Friend Game, Neon Hive, and a few other places. I interviewed at a bunch of them, didn't get and it was fine because most of them were in like, marketing specific and the person that I interviewed with for Future Friend Games, Paul Naden, like major shout out to him because he's the reason I am as a, like I'm working as a community manager now. He offered to give me feedback and I took him up on that offer, which he was very happy about because I was the only person that has ever taken him up on that offer. And he spent like hours like talking me through what I should change up in my CV my cover letter, like my interview techniques. And he was the one that said, you should be going for community management from your interview. That's what you want to do. That is what your passion is. So I applied to a bunch of game studios for community management role. I interviewed at a few different ones. I interviewed at Far From Home Game. They have a post-apocalyptic survival game coming out later this year. I didn't get that one. But then I interviewed at Bonsai Collective and Bonsai is where I am now. I knew I wanted to work there from the first interview question because the first interview question they asked me is, what name do you want to go by and what pronouns do you use? Heck and yeah. it, I feel like it says a lot that my standards are that low. Asking how I identify is what will seal the deal for me. But Bonsai was really different because they were saying that their their focus is on creating a safe work environment, diverse work environment where everyone feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. And they offered me the job and I took it. And like, the first day I realized like, they're not just saying this, it's actually built into the company from the ground up. Our, producti our production director is queer, gender non-conforming person. So it's, it's built from the ground up to be accepting of everyone and to be to have a focus on employee health so if you every it's fully remote studio if you come to work and you come to a meeting and you mention that you are sick they will tell you to take the day off they will straight up just be like no don't be working today go take the day off they're very good at if if at any point anyone's gender identity changes or they're thinking about changing their gender identity they will make a point of this is the pronouns that you use for this person now this is the name that you use for this person now and everyone just does it i think about a third of our team are trans or gender non-conforming in some way or other and there's a lot of people on the team that do identify as queer and yeah it's is honestly like 
it's a fantastic place to work. We're working on this really cool, like redacted thing that I'm not allowed to talk about, but I want to be able to talk about it and I will talk about it later this year. Do you know what and month you'll be allowed to talk about it? No. All right. <laughs> I do not yet know what month they're going to let, they're going to, at one point they're going to let me talk about it and then I'm just going to flood social media I'm excited. because I've been like, I've been like holding this so close to my heart and just not talking about it for, since June of last year. And oh I'm just gosh. like, I want to. Like a year of keeping a fabulous secret. Like I'm good at keeping secrets. I don't like keeping secrets. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that maybe by June we're gonna need some really good news right then so it's also isn't June Pride Month maybe I'll announce it during yes. Pride Month whatever it is maybe, maybe they'll let me maybe they'll let me scream about it during Pride Month that would be great whatever it is that um. sounds fun <laughs> so if we wanted to follow on social media is it at bonsai collective is at bonsai underscore collective on twitch on tiktok and on instagram and it's at Bonsai Games, all one word, on Twitter. And you should definitely follow the Twitter, at least, because at some point I will be spamming the Twitter feed a lot. Um, things that everyone will love. Like, I straight up believe that absolutely everyone will love this thing that we're working on. I see no reason for anyone not to just love it. It's, oh, I can't, it's redacted, but it's going to be amazing. It's so fun. How do you spell Bonsai with an S or a Z? S B O N S A I. Awesome. I'm just trying to find. Uh, I can't find it on Twitter right now. Maybe I'll have you give it to me later for the show notes. That's so exciting, though. I love that you found a studio yeah. that is this like inclusive and like mindful of not only gender identity and how gender can change over time, but also is thinking about disability and wellness, right? I love that they send you home if you mention you're sick. Maybe that just leaves to people feeling sick and then not mentioning it. I feel like everyone's been pretty good about prioritizing like health and well-being and mental health as well. Like everyone's very open about like attending therapy and things like that and taking time during work hours to attend therapy and things like that. And I think because everyone is so open about it like for me at least i felt like i could do it because like all of the jobs i've worked before this is my first full-time salaried position I was a student for forever i was an undergraduate student i worked part-time jobs during my undergraduate degree they were all retail positions it was very much if you're not dead you're going to be here for your shift yeah and then i went straight into my peak and that is very much like you're That's going to work on this until you die or until you hate it so much that you just give up on it. I don't think that's everyone's experience, but I, if I'm being completely honest, my main reason for doing a PhD, like I wanted to, but also the main reason that I wanted to was that when I was 17, my guidance counselor told me that I would probably never finish university and I'm fueled by spite. Yep. And I have not, I haven't seen or spoken to this man since I left school in 2010, but that's what fueled me. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't tell me I can't do something. I went and got a master's degree out of spite because someone told me they didn't think I could finish a master's degree. I feel like spite is a powerful motivator and it's, it's <laughs> that's totally health. That's, it's fine. 
Super reverse psychology. Yeah. Reverse I, psychology works on me so well, though. Tell me not to drink water, and it's all I will drink for a week, and I will drink a lot of it. Don't drink water, mouse. I'm already <laughs> drinking some. <laughs> Everybody drink water, even those listening later after the fact. Go find your water right now. Or don't. I don't care. Do whatever you want. Oh, that's so funny. This is so fun. Isn't it? It's this. I love this. I'm having a good time. This is great fun. Let's see. What else do I want to say about what you were just saying? I think it's gone forever. Oh, for those who wanted to go follow the studio on Twitter, the handle is Bonsai Games. And then the username says Bonsai Collective. You can change your name on Twitter. But the actual handle, the at, is Bonsai Games. If you do the other things we were talking about, you get weird NFT stuff that you don't need. So Bonsai Games... On Twitter. No NFTs. We don't no like NFTs. NFTs. No. Don't, don't do that. Be like, follow the, the queer socialist game dev company instead. I highly recommend because, you do that. Yeah. It's just, it sounds amazing. Like working at a studio that is prioritizing the wellness of the folks like in the studio. Keep, I don't, I'm forgetting all my fancy business words, but preventing employees from leaving by giving them the support they need to do their jobs is better for your business in the long run because then you don't have to retrain people. You get people with experience and rank and seniority and you, know, you keep all of that development you pour into your employees in your company for longer. Yeah, it's, uh, it's also very anti-crunch culture. I've experienced it myself. Like we have actively extended deadlines to stop people overworking themselves. Oh, and they're very vocal about it. if someone spots someone checking stuff in at like a weird time of night they're like do you need more time to do this task because we can just move this deadline out a bit which yeah i love because what my biggest sort of concerns with getting into the games industry was hearing all of the nightmare stories of crunch culture and devs having to work like 16 hour days like for weeks before a game's really and Obviously, hearing all of the storm coming out of places like Vision Blizzard regarding the harassment things that have been going on and falling, literally just like falling into my first position in the industry in a place that is the polar opposite of all of that has been fantastic. I love it so much. So we've talked about this some, but if you feel like elaborating or adding more details, what is it like working in a studio that is led by queer and gender nonconforming people at all levels? Fantastic. I think one of the biggest things that I've found to be different from like other places that I interviewed and other places that I researched, we have a lot of things in place within our like our our guidelines, our code of conduct, like all of our company documents is very specific to include everything to do with gender identity and like appropriate behavior and you'll never be asked to work more than this many hours a week this is your standard work time you don't have to do anything above that and i think the other big thing is i like i'm in the uk so we have free healthcare because we have the nhs anyway but i all private healthcare covered by my work and one of the things that they're currently trying to do is to is to work with a place to cover that provides gender affirming care as well 
because the majority of insurance companies for private healthcare in the UK, that's not something that is typically covered and that's something that they're working to get as well. So that it will cover things like top surgery or hormones or like gender reassignment surgery, anything like that, which yeah, is very, is very awesome to, to see happening. Was, like DEI work and things like that was something that I was very interested in. And because they knew I was interested in that, I got to help with things like writing the employee handbook and the code of conduct and stuff. I got to do research and work into that. I get to, I get to be involved in things like the accessibility options in our game. Yeah, that's um, cool. And I got to go and get certified as a mental health first aider as well. So it's been really awesome that they, they've done more than just say that this is what we believe. They've gone 110% to show that's what they actually want this place to be, which I think is a massive difference between some big companies that won't be named that say that they want this diverse and welcoming place but then you hear the stories and you see the percentage of people that are working there that are actually diverse that is pitiful so it's it's nice to see something kind of grow and be part of that and also be part of a place that they're putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to things like that yeah Something that I've appreciated with even just yours and my one-on-one meetings is we can DM each other and be like, nope, spoons are gone, and be compassionate with each other. And sometimes we just find other ways to communicate throughout the week when we find a spoon here or there about the different projects we're working on together. Yeah, I love a few minutes ago when you were talking about how your, your Bonsai Collective doesn't have crunch. If you need to extend a deadline, you will. And that's something that we actually with Gender Federation chose to do with our founder applications. Like we, we pushed them out an extra week because I was like, it took me longer to recover from that surgery than I expected. And I just was not a person. I like <laughs> could not people right then. And so like my reading comprehension was down and I just wasn't doing a very good job of reading the stuff that was written down. Like it was just goo in my brain. I couldn't parse it. Another thing you were talking about that I appreciated was talking about some of your healthcare coverages through work. And the thing is, if a company is saying they're diverse and they actually want to attract talent, diverse talent, capitalism is not the best way to do that. Sometimes I guess the argument needs to be made that caring about diversity and caring about having healthcare coverage for trans people, having healthcare coverage for disabled people, for all of these sort of cascade of things, like one, you need to ask the demographics that you're trying to include what they need because I can tell you even for my spouse who works for a big tech company that's been working on their diverse offerings for healthcare for trans employees there are some pieces or components of facial feminization surgery that aren't covered and we've gone through appeal after appeal trying to be like no actually this thing with the brow about feminizing surgery it's not some other thing it's not just for glamour or something it's actually part of this like gender confirmation procedure. And it's just been a whole time trying to convince the insurance company that it's a legitimate claim. And so if there was like a company that was trying to hire trans people and they said, your GCS is going to be covered and you're not going to go through a lengthy appeal process, like they would have people, they would have thousands of applicants 
on day one. Yeah. Because <laughs> so many trans people, that's what they're looking for. And frankly, trans women in particular, in my experience, are amazing coders. There's so many. There's probably also trans men and non-binary people who are coders. But like, I'm married to a trans woman coder, so I'm very biased. But yeah, there's just a lot. There's like a very specific thing about the neurotype of an in like ADHD, hyper-focused on coding because it's their special interest. That's like a gold mine of you want that person working for your company because they're going to love their job forever. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to retain people like that. And you can't just make a value statement. You have to have like procedures in place and actual action, as you were saying, that backs up your value. You have to put people of color, disabled people, trans people, neurodiverse people in those roles throughout all tiers of your company if you want it to actually reflect the diversity that you're going for. And something that, that Gender Federation found between the very first round of founder applications where it was just me writing them, and frankly, we didn't even have a Google form because I didn't have spoons. I like wrote up a Word document and like, posted a screenshot with alt text and was like, email me this stuff, which was not as guided as I would have preferred. And now it's like we have Google Forms for each role with a clearly defined job description that we all, the handful of us that are already here, wrote together. And we ask about some of those diverse identities because we're wanting to make sure we're hitting those goalposts because we do want those voices actively being listened to within the people in the company, in the business, in the entity. It's not really a company. It's like a whatever we are. I don't know. Entity. Uh, Thought collective. I don't know the word. I don't do team. words right now. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know the word. I mean, we're not registered as a nonprofit currently. Queer elective. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yes, we're a queer elective. I love it so much. That's it. That's we're it. A That's volunteer the run organization. I don't know what we are though. But yeah, I love that. I love that Bonsai Games is doing so well at that. It's great and inspiring to hear that there's like places in the world that are actually doing it well and like making games that are improving representation and people are actually getting paid living wages to do all of that. So often you have yeah. projects that are doing things the right way, but they're not making money at it. And so to have that yeah. combination of those working together, that's really cool and inspiring. It is. It's really, I love it. I love a part of this company. They've also been very, like one thing that they've done from the start that I have really liked is they've been very much against the we're a family mm -hmm. statement they're like we're a, like that's why the, we're called bonsai collective we're a collective of people working on a thing but we're not going to use the family line because generally it always feels like it's there to guilt trip employees into putting in more work than like they're required to do yeah so they've been very clear about that from the start and been very much, this is your job. These are the hours that you're expected to work. You don't need to work any more than that. And don't like put yourself through working longer hours than that. Like if we have to move deadlines, we'll move deadlines. Like anything else like that, we, we will ensure that you're like working comfortably and the amount that you're meant to. So yeah, it's it's. it's it's just been like a huge shift from what I'm used to, especially because, like I said before, like to grad school where you're overworked and very underpaid and retail where you're overworked and very underpaid. So to be working somewhere that I'm I am paid like a very good salary, especially considering it's my first ever job in the field and I'm work at hours 
and not expected to do overtime or crunch or anything like that especially as a disabled person that kind of safety is everything yeah and talking about having clearly defined hours and clearly defined we're not going to ask for more than this that i feel like is a disabled accessibility piece right like the health coverage is the trans piece or the gender diverse piece and then the hours in the very like intentional and strong boundaries around time that's the dis disability accessibility i really i love that so much yeah it's great and yeah i work i get to work with awesome people and i get to do something i love and i get to do it with a company that i believe in personally and i do think that makes like a whole lot of difference like in my mental health as well because it's something that i look forward to doing and it's almost it's almost a form of self-care because i'm not putting myself through risks and a job that i don't enjoy and i'm not doing it at a place that i don't want to be i love it it's so good oh my gosh so I suppose my next question is the inverse of that. What do you wish game developers would do more often or be more aware of? Perhaps from a mixture of the employee's perspective, the actual development experience, and like what the consumer is eventually actually playing or interacting with. Many things. Abolish crunch culture. Literally just burn it. We don't need that anymore. Move your deadlines, prioritize your employees' literal health because that is more important. Like, people over profits is the biggest thing that you can prioritize. Your employees are not just, like, little robots that can do it, everything you want from them for as long as you want. They are actual people and they will burn out and you will lose them. And also, like, hire diverse voice, especially if you're planning on putting diverse characters in your game hire diverse writers to write those characters because we don't need any more diverse characters written by cishet white men you're right we don't need it it's not we don't want it i don't want it anymore i want diverse characters that are written by people that share those identities and know what they're talking about and not just that but like, i Honestly, as an example, so with Ubisoft, the Assassin's Creed games, so I think it was Origins and Odyssey, were both originally written to only have a female main character. And then they took this to the marketing department or whoever who were like, we can't do that. Games with girls don't sell. And so they were like, okay, we're going to add in the option to have like the male character as well. And it's, it was unnecessary. I feel like look at my favorite game of all time. Games with female characters as the main character do sell. Women and gender diverse people do make up a large proportion of gamers. Just because some old statistics say that actually they don't when in reality we know from experience that they do make up a decent proportion recent studies have shown that it is basically 50 50 in a lot of places so it's like know the audience that you're writing your games for because if you want to create games with diverse characters or diverse audiences 
you need to be you need to have those people involved from the start and also just make your game accessible let people pause your game yeah include an easy mode like i'm not throwing shade at any specific souls like game that came out this year or anything but like include an easy mode that's an accessibility option if people don't like it they don't have to use it let people pause your game if people don't like it they don't have to use it but give us the option <laughs> because gaming should be allowed to be enjoyed by everyone not just neurotypical able-bodied people yeah i have had a really a really good time with choosing easy mode if for no other reason than it lets me stream a game, which is better for their visibility and like promotion. And it lets me talk to the Twitch chat at the same time and not worry about I'm gonna die or if I don't focus really hard, I'm gonna fail. And then watching for me at least as a streamer, like I don't like getting stuck and having to try again and again at the same thing. Cause then I'm getting tilted on stream and people are just watching me get frustrated and have a hard time. And to me, that's not good content. That's not entertaining. And so then I end up like making a separate save. That's my personal one and playing a game so that I know what the heck is going to happen. So I have enough practice at it that I can do it in real time with people watching me. And when I do that, we miss my reactions to the storyline for the first time because I've spoiled it all for myself because I played it off stream to be good enough at it so it is entertaining to watch and yeah I love the importance of story mode or having those options available I totally agree with you on that yeah whenever I play a story driven game for the first time I will almost always choose story mode or whatever the easiest mode is mm -hmm. because the first time I'm playing a game I'm not playing it for how difficult the combat is or how challenging it is. I am playing it because I want to know the story. Yeah. Like the first time I play a game like that is my main priorities. I want to experience the story and I want to put all of my focus onto the story. So that will always be like my first playthrough will always be on like whatever the easiest mode is. Even with some of the games that I've played like hundreds of hours of, I will still often play them on easier settings because what I want to do at the time, it's more enjoyable for me sometimes. A big example of that is a survival game that I play a lot, which is Green Hell, and you're surviving in a jungle and it lets you fully customize it so like you can turn like you can turn your hostile animals off. Mm. You can turn it off so you can get rid of all the spiders, scorpions, anything like that. You can basically turn off everything that can hurt you and just enjoy surviving in the jungle without actually having to survive and just exploring. And I think making games where you can customize how you play it that much, that's accessibility. That's in, that's allowing more people to play your game and enjoy your game. Yeah. For me, I am not going to play it without turning arachnids off because I have severe arachnophobia and I'm really bad with spiders. But also I like to play it by turning predators off because I don't want to get eaten while I'm walking through the jungle. I just want to have a nice stroll through the jungle mm -hmm. and not get eaten by a jaguar. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to be able to just enjoy the settings. If the graphics are good yeah. enough and the environment building is good enough, like Sometimes it's like, wow, just managing like food and water is enough right now. And I just want to cover a surprise waterfall and go, wow, without being worried, I'm going to get mauled on the way. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I have played like hundreds of hours of Green Hill and I still find things 
in the map that I had not found before. And it's like uh, another one I play a lot is Stranded Deep. And with that one, I can put all of the animals onto passive so they will not attack. And what that means is I get to go swimming with sharks and see cool sharks and they're not going to eat me. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've had to quit or give up on a game because the they don't have an inverted camera option. Like, somehow, in my early gaming experience, I learned to use inverted XY axes in for the camera. And so I literally will look up online, does this game have the option to invert both X and Y? Because if it doesn't, I won't buy it because I get so messed up if I can't get the camera just right behind my characters and running around, like my hands can't learn how to do it. And so then I literally won't spend the $60 on the game or whatever if that one piece doesn't work. Like we, we yeah. bought, I think it was Luigi's Mansion 3 and they may have patched this since it came out, but it shouldn't have to be a patch. It should just be something included in the very beginning. But it was interesting to have something that came out from actual Nintendo or whatever that doesn't have that very basic feature to be able to move the camera around. And so anyway, it's another reason why I struggle with PC games because I'm much better at controllers than I am with keyboard. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I have a really hard time keeping track of like where the keys are and what they do and which ones go where and all of it. And sometimes I'll, I can play like a PC game, but hook up my controller, but then the controller disconnects and I don't know how to reconnect it. And it's a whole mess. I don't know. I guess I'm just mostly a console player. I do play Stardew Valley on the PC, but it's simple enough that I can do the buttons. Yeah. D and the mouse. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost the opposite. Like a lot of the times I find keyboard and mouse easier to use for me than controller. My dog is just like messing around under me. Um, show us your dog. Yeah. Does, you wanna does Aloy want to get picked up? So everyone, Mouse's dog is named after Mouse's favorite video game character. This is Aloy. She's 11 months old and she has the cutest little face. And she's very needy, but also she's a pain in the butt if she doesn't get the attention she wants. Aren't you? Did, yeah, a big one for me is, um, is for those listening. Uh, she's a cavapoo. Yeah. So she's half King Charles Cavalier and half miniature poodle. So cute. Which she's means hypoallergenic. Yes. Poodle. Nice. Yes, hypoallergenic. To help with my ass doesn't help as much as it could, but that's mostly because I have a cat and a chinchilla, and they're very much not hypoallergenic. Uh -huh. But yeah, I got her in August of last. She's my not quite a lockdown puppy, but a lockdown puppy. So cute. Yeah, what I was going to say is what you said about needing the inverted controls. I have something similar. I won't buy a game if I can't turn off motion blur and. Mm -hmm like camera shaking, head bobbing, mm. because I get simulation sickness. Okay. So first person games that don't allow me to turn those things off make me physically sick, which, you know, games that don't allow you to turn off motion blur or the devil, because I don't, I've never met a single person that likes having motion blur on, not a single one of them. It's the devil's work unnecessary in this year of 2022 we do not need motion blur in video games are there um, are there any ways that your studio do you all have a list of all these things to keep in mind when developing games like how do you all track that and make sure that you are consistently implementing all of these accessibility features 
I have an accessibility check. We have little, we call it like an accessibility like strike team. So our focus is on like doing the accessibility stuff. I got to do all of the research and make good use of my graduate skills in research. And I have a full accessibility checklist of what's applicable like to our game and how it's going to be implemented. I'm really lucky because the devs on my team are very passionate about accessibility. Like I I will say to one of them, is there any way you can do this just to make it, because I do a lot of QA work at the moment because I'm not allowed to talk about redacted on social media. So I can't do the community stuff as much. I've been doing a lot of QA work and I was like, is there any way you could do this just to make it easier for me? And like next day build, it will be in there for me. So they're really fantastic about, about having it in there and also just passionate about accessibility in general. They want everyone to, be, to enjoy the game. So they're, they're doing everything they can to make sure that happens. That's so great. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. Is the accessibility checklist something that, do you think that Bonsai Games would be willing to share that with other game dev people who are trying to do a better job or is it like super like it's our intellectual I got it I got it from what's the I got it from the gameaccessibilityguidelines.com and it's basically they have a full list of accessibility options how easy they are to implement and like where they where they fall and who they're helping so like cognitive visual on motor and speech so it's it's just gameaccessibilityguidelines.com all one word and you can download an excel checklist of all of them which is what i did and then i just kind of went through it and was like these are the things that we have in our game these are the things that we should be mindful of and ensure that we have other options for that's so rad that there's an entire website about this there's also a special effect a Charity focused on helping disabled gamers. They have a dev kit as well, where they just talk about all the different things that you can do to make your game more accessible. I love all the random rabbit trails we're going down together. This is such a fun time. I am nothing if not good at uh, sending people down rabbit trails. I'm also very good at going down them myself. That's so fun. On the topic of being mindful of mods and things and time and people spoon. We have three questions left, but I do want to make sure we wrap in the next seven minutes or so, so that stream doesn't go over two hours. So let's see, maybe we can speed run them together. Maybe two minutes per question. If you were to make a game on your own, what would it look like from a gender perspective and from a neurodiverse and or disabled perspective? So it would have nothing but it would be a very queer game. I'm going to throw it out that way. It would be a very queer game. There would not be a single cishet character in that game. And it also be as accessible as possible from day one. Like, if there is an accessibility option for one of the mechanics in it, it would have it. From day one, no patch needed. Everyone can play from day one. Like, that's my hopes and dreams like, for making games, is to have everyone able to play them from the get-go without any anything else needing to be done to them. Love that so much. Next question is, can you share an experience with gender euphoria? So I'm going to put the dog down because she's like antsy. So for me, like I never really had, uh, I never really had dysphoria in the way that I've heard everyone talk about it. 
and describe their experience with it. But I always knew like, I am not girl. I'm basically like, if you ordered Girl from Wish, this is what you get. It looks like the picture, but there's something wrong with it. And it wasn't until the last couple of years I started meeting more gender non-conforming people, like through Twitch and through gaming communities and stuff. And the first time that someone used they, them pronouns for me, I was just like, that fits. Like, that, that's me. That's So then I just started using them. I never came out to anyone. Just started using them and I think my favorite part of that is that everyone just started using them for me. Like nothing needed to be said. It was just we're just going to use them then. We see that you're using them. We're going to use them with you. That's so much. Yeah, it was really good. It was really great. There were still a couple of people now and then that would occasionally like slip up and use like she her pronouns. But I always found the people that did do that, I didn't feel uncomfortable with them doing it. If, if someone I don't know and I meet for the first time and I tell them my pronouns and then they proceed to misgender me, I don't feel really uncomfortable with them using those pronouns, but I still feel okay with some specific people perceiving me as girl. It's, it's a very sort of weird thing to reconcile because I'm like, you? No, you can't do it. Bad. You? Okay, you can do it. That's okay. That doesn't bother me. And it's kind of a weird thing because it's like what I was saying before, like I'm my own biggest gatekeeper. So if I don't feel like bad enough about something, I will just be like, clearly that's not, that's not your identity then. That's fine. And that's not the case, but it is how my brain works sometimes. Yeah. As a random side note, for you, Mouse, there is a user in the Twitch chat called Pumpkin Days who's been developing, who's already developed one game called Pumpkin Days and is working on a second game. I don't know if it has a name yet. And also focuses pretty heavily on diversity, inclusion, and accessibility in the game development. So you should meet each other. I feel like we would be great friends. Yes, you should be friends on Discord or something. So yes, very good. Hooray, big smiles all around. Yeah. Okay. So my last question that I have for you is what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary or trans issues? Trans rights are humans' rights. And if you're going to be fighting for trans rights, you better be including trans people of color. Yep. And if you're not, get in the bin. Yes. <laughs> get in the bin. <laughs> I love it. I normally so have a much more like expletive impression expression that i use at the end there but i'm being mindful that i'm not to swear <laughs> get in the heckin bin we can swear like pastors oh heck oh shucks it's so fun okay just a couple notes on some resources before we dash out of here some reminders you can catch up with mouse on many platforms including Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok. So Mouse was taken on Twitch, Mouse is taken on Twitter, and Mouse was taken on TikTok. Also, you can see some of the mischief that Mouse and the game dev crew are up to over on the Bonsai Games Twitter and other places as well. If you all are interested in learning more about the stream team that Mouse and I are working on with a handful of other folks, I think there's eight or nine of us right now on the team, you can learn more information about us 
on Gender Federation. We have a whole link tree with all the things that my mod has kindly put there in the chat. And for those listening to this in the near future, the applications for the second round of founders went out today and they will be open. Like we'll keep releasing a new application each day for the next eight days. But then the window is open. I don't think we've set a deadline. We probably should. But the window is open at least through the rest of March and maybe the first week or so of April. That's my rough estimate, but we may change our minds later, depending on how many people apply in that chunk of time. Applications will be open the next little while. Please do spend some time with it. If you're applying to more than one position, the first half of each application is the same. So you might want to save your answers on a separate documents you can copy paste to save yourself some time and spoons and we are for this team prioritizing BIPOC trans applicants and yeah just so you know that's the thing there's other things on the list of what we're prioritizing and I forgot them because my brain dropped all the words but I remember that part <laughs> so anyways thank you so much for being here mouse when is your next stream when can we come see what you're up to I know that you're you're so you're in GMT time zone is that right yes GMT okay. generally I stream Saturdays and Sundays from 9 a.m. GMT I had planned this year to include some weekday evening streams that's not happened yet but we're only in March so like it might happen before the end of the year it's true uh, but yeah, I've been very busy, so I've been sticking to just the weekends, and we we always have a good time with generally a lot of chaos. And Aloy, I'm talking, and a lot of Aloy. I love it so much. It's so good. All right, very exciting. Is there any is there anything else you want to make sure you promote or mention before we raid out for the day? Just be awesome people and do awesome things and with the patriarchy and down with capitalism yeah big agree trans rights are human rights can i say eat matter. the rich i think you can eat the rich thank you so much for being my guest today mouse this has been a delightful conversation and i look forward to all the fun shenaniganery that you and i are up to with gender federation it's gonna be such a good time thank you for having me Thank you.